grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, the Holy One, Holy Three. I am Roger Short, and this is another Pray Together podcast brought to you by the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church. In 1992, the United Methodist Church published its most recent book of worship, the product of a four-year effort to produce a comprehensive worship resource for the church. The Book of Worship Committee, established by our church's general conference and consisting of 23 members drawn from across the denomination, labored for four years, listening to people, exploring resources, and making difficult decisions. In the preface to the United Methodist Book of Worship, committee members shared the belief that it would strengthen worship and empower our ministry and mission. In my view, their hope was well-grounded. I've used it for 30 years now, and I feel it's never let me down. The fifth section of the United Methodist Book of Worship is titled General Acts of Worship. And it is especially rich with litanies, prayers, and blessings. One such prayer is called For the Church, and it's borrowed from the Book of Common Prayer USA. By the way, this is one of the features I appreciate, the Book of Worship Committee's selection of worship resources from the broader tradition. The committee could have written a new prayer for the church, but it didn't. I imagine committee members felt this particular prayer serves its purpose well and needs no improvement. But why pray for the church in the first place? The church prays for the world. Isn't that enough? Must the church pray for itself too? In a way, that seems selfish, doesn't it? If I am being selfish when I pray for the church, then I am in good company because the church of the New Testament did the same. St. Paul the Apostle began most of his letters he wrote with prayers for the churches to which he addressed his correspondence. The Bible's book of 1 Thessalonians provides a good example. Quote, We give thanks to God always for you all, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Unquote. That's chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Jesus prayed for the church, too. In the Bible's book of John, chapter 17, he prays for his closest followers, but he extends the scope of his prayerful concern, too. Quote, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Unquote. That's verse 20 of chapter 17. And who are those who believe in Jesus through his closest followers' words? They are none other than the church. So the church praying for the church is well grounded both in Scripture and in the Christian faith tradition from its very beginning. Another reason I pray for the church stems from the fact that it is, is an imperfect institution. The church is holy, it is blessed. St. Paul the Apostle referred to it as the body of Christ. If you don't remember, then see 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. The church is all of this, and yet, the truth is, that body has not yet fully matured. It has a long way to go before it will become 100% pure, 
100% obedient, 100% healthy. In the meantime, I pray for the church. The church prays for the church. Now, in my current understanding and practice, prayer consists both in communication and in communion. And for communication to be effective, I must listen for God as well as speak with God. When I say the church prays for the church, then, I mean not only that believers speak with God on behalf of believers, but also that believers listen for God on behalf of believers. If church members listened in prayer as much as we talk in prayer, then I believe both the church and the world would enter a new era of spiritual transformation. And what do I mean that for me prayer consists in communion as well as in communication? I mean that prayer transcends the messaging that takes place between persons and their Creator. In this sense, prayer can be described as tender fellowship, awareness of presence, treasured companionship, or awe-filled recognition. Whenever God and I honor each other's being, prayer as communion is unfolding. This type of prayer often breaks into my consciousness in nature, by a mountain stream, in a green forest, or under a starlit sky at night. Prayer as communion sometimes happens for me during Eucharist or Holy Communion. Yes, in the Lord's Supper, words are said in the liturgy. Bread is broken, wine is poured out. But prayer rises mystically, too, in the communion between God and God's people. Let the church commune with God for the church, then. God knows the earth and its people need prayer nowadays. Both nature and humanity are being challenged today as never before. Violence, warfare, pollution, hunger, disease, prejudice, poverty, homelessness, oppression. Let's pray for an end to all such troubles, but let's pray for the church too. Will you join me? You can find this prayer in the United Methodist Book of Worship and in the Book of Common Prayer USA. Let us pray. O gracious God, we pray for your Holy Church Universal, that you would be pleased to fill it with all truth in all peace. Where it is corrupt, purify it. Where it is in error, direct it. Where in anything it is amiss, reform it. Where it is right, establish it. Where it is in want, provide for it. Where it is divided, reunite it. For the sake of him who died and rose again, and ever lives to make intercession for us, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.